Hi, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, here to let you know about a new and innovative theater major, the BA in Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. Get the education and experience you need as a theater artist and the business acumen to succeed in your career. Visit broadwaybullet.com and stay tuned to the end of the program for more info. Now, enjoy the show. I wouldn't want it to be too perfect every night. It is live after all. Working at Lincoln Center, it sounds very huge and elevated. And that's what it feels like, like once you're working there. Because rent is about much more than just friendship, love, and musical theater. It was about something that shook musical theater. People are becoming more and more comfortable with, you know, issues of people being different. I mean, we do it all. I mean, you know, we don't we don't back away from anything. Welcome to Broadway Bullet Volume One Thirty Two. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and. I tell you, this is our first uh, post-nymph episode, and uh, the New York Musical Theater Festival, you know, it's kind of like 72 hours of a great weekend away with nonstop sex. It's uh, a lot of fun, but whoa, are you spent and tired afterwards. (laughs) So uh, hopefully I sound as perky as I normally do, but I have to say I'm exhausted. But that doesn't mean I'm not excited about our guests for this episode. We've got Rachel York. Uh huh. She's the Broadway veteran, done tons of stuff. She's here to talk, and uh, we hear a couple songs from her. We've also got the new off Broadway musical, Welcome to Yorkville, which had its origins at the New York Musical Theater Festival. The creators and actors are here, and they perform in the studio a couple numbers from the show. And we've got the new play with a couple. With a couple <laughs> hot up and comers, none of the above. I tell you, they got a lot of stuff that's in development. We got a brand new web player that's going to be unveiled very shortly. That's going to have some multimedia content. It's going to be shareable and have a chat room. And it's you're even going to be able to post your own, you know, original stuff on it. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and in fact, we got a teaser of that on the front page of our website. We have our first video piece, which is a video clip of one of the performances here in the studio from. Greetings from Yorkville, and uh, you know it's it's a lot of things ahead. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on anything. And uh, yeah, let's get rolling. On the boards, two songwriters are trying to become successful in New York City. Well, it's probably more like uh, two hundred thousand, but we've got the story of two of them in Greetings from Yorkville which is opening, or by the time we air this, probably has opened. Right. And we've got the two creators, performers, stars, producers, everything here with us today. How are you guys doing? Great. Great, Great Michael. You want to introduce yourselves and say what you're doing at the show? Hi, I'm Anya Turner. And I, I'm Robert Grusecki. Grusecki, that's, that's right. right. Uh-huh. Should we spell that? For, no. Yeah, G- Don't spell it. Right, Don't okay. spell it. Let them, you know, they'll, they'll work it out eventually. Okay. And I, I write, I, I've written the book. And uh, the lyrics we write together. We write the lyrics together, and Robert I'm responsible writes the music. for all the music. And it's a, it's a musicale. It's a, you know, 20 songs with this story about a couple songwriters from the Midwest right. trying to make it in the big city. Yeah, and we wind up um, getting a, a very inexpensive apartment in a neighborhood of Manhattan called Yorkville. Yeah, Yorkville. Which everybody knows where Yorkville is. On the Upper East Side. That's right. <laughs> but um, it's, it's a, a cracker great, box, right? It's a, it's a cracker. It is. it is. Well, it's a railroad, It's actually. a shotgun, you know. It's, it's, uh, the rooms are small but tall. Yeah. And there's a lot of light up there because we're on the fifth floor, yeah. walk up. 
Yeah. So, um, but yeah. it's great. It's and great we can do our music. Yeah. We can make noise. Nobody bothers us. Yeah. We've and written, we've written a, a lot of songs at our kitchen table. That's right. That's right. At the yeah. old farmhouse kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a little bit of bohemia on the Upper East Side. Yeah. yeah. So what inspired yeah. you to put together this musical? Oh. Sir, well, let's yeah. see. Um, we started writing together a number of years ago. Yeah. And when we first started, we were doing um, what we called modern cabaret songs. They we were, were writing stand-up mm-hmm. songs for ourselves to perform and mm-hmm. also other cabaret singers yeah. to do. Yeah, people like Karen Akers did, uh, did a song of ours called... Donna Ord- McKechnie. Yeah, yeah, Ordinary People and Life is Good and... So that we've been out on the cabaret scene either performing our own songs or having other people do their interpretations. Right. And so yes. that led us to recording two CDs of our All original right. yeah. music. Yeah. And that's how some of the songs got out there to some other people mm-hmm. as well. So we had this music that we had been writing over the years, over the years. Mm-hmm. And we were just at the point where we wanted to do maybe like a musical review or something All of right. our songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were looking for a director. Right, and so so um, uh, we knew this wonderful director named Tommy Walsh. She's like you know worked on Broadway and Chorus Line and with Tommy Tune and won Tonys and all this stuff. And we just met him socially, and I uh, we approached him and said, uh, "Would you listen to our CDs?" And so we we sent them to him, and you know a couple of weeks went by. We didn't hear from him. He was busy. We started leaving messages on his answering machine. Tommy, you know, have you listened to CDs? We're just wondering, you know. And finally, I'll tell Anya tells this part. She likes this part. One day, the phone rang. I picked it up. In the background, our music was blaring loud. Ordinary people. The song was going, going, going. And he said, "I love your songs. I would love to work with you. Let's get together." So we did. Mm-hmm. All of we we fell madly in love, head yeah. over heels with one another, and um, we started working together yeah. with just Robert, me, and him. Yeah. And we would go out doing cabaret stuff, and then yeah. eventually that led to this idea of making a book musical out of our stuff. Mm-hmm. We had the songs that we had, and we knew that if we wrote a few more to tie it in with our story. These songs would tell the story of our songwriting lives. Right. We've been writing songs about our lives, so we went, well, hell, this could be a musical. So that's what we've done. And, and uh, yeah. we started three years ago mm-hmm. um, and we putting went to it together. Different summer festivals. You know, first it was a one act, and then we made it into, you know, made, kept on writing it. Kept writing. And then we did a couple workshops here in town. And then we started to do backers auditions with Tommy in all these people's living rooms, you know, and raise, raise the money for this off-Broadway show because everyone says... You know, says, friends with really nice apartments, yeah, you know, yeah. like on Sutton Place yeah. or someplace like that Great with a really nice grand Trump piano Tower. and everything. Yeah. And so we kind of, you know, try to... To present the show to people, and we, we over a year and a half we raised the money right. because everybody. Uh, how did you find the people, and how did you like you know get the people there, the apartments that actually had oh, some well, cash to you know invest? emails, emails, yeah. emails, yeah. more emails, yeah, it's, um, it's phone called, calls, yeah, um, favors, favors, begging, and and, and, and uh, networking. I mean, you know, it yeah. started with a, p- a few people that we knew, and then we'd say, well, who do you have some friends that you could bring? Yeah, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. I'll call. You know, I can call Lois, or I can you know this or that, mm-hmm. or I'll get Cy over here or whatever. And some people, you know, like somebody upstairs turns out to be like some big person yeah. in the business, and you go, right. oh, that's nice. Come on down, <laughs> listen to our song. Come on down to the party. So we so, just we just kind of pieced it together and just stayed positive and just kept yeah. going and just kind of try to take you know your fate into your own hands and right. Hell, we can produce a show as well as write it. So and you know, we'd have it. wine and hors d'oeuvres and all yeah. that kind of thing too, and they'd come over. Then yeah. we do like about a thirty-five minute presentation. Tommy get up there and announces, you know, he'd say, "All right, now everybody, sit down and and don't make any trouble because Anya's got a mouth like Merman." And <laughs> <laughs> And so 
That's yeah. how we did so it. So that's we did it, and, and we and so we raised the money, and then we started looking at every off-Broadway theater in town. We've been in all of them. Yeah, all of them. And finally, we found this wonderful place down in Soho called the Soho Playhouse. Right. And we really loved the space, and, and we and we really uh, got along with the owner, and, and everything was uh, simpatico. So we uh, decided to make the plunge uh, in June and put down a deposit, and now we're in. And here we are. About to start previews and yeah. next Tuesday, the 25th of September, and we open October 4th, and the snowball is going down the hill, and we hope it's pointed in the right direction, and we've got... <laughs> high hopes for this show. It's just kind of a dream that we've decided to try to put together to, to share our music with people, our songs, and, yes. and, and our story. And, and most of it's true. Most of it's about us. And then we just kind of, you know, move the facts around a little bit to... Uh, yeah, never let the truth get in the way yeah, of a good story. Exactly. You know. yeah. if, if, <laughs> if we had to embellish, we did. If we had mm-hmm. to switch the locales or a situation, but it's basically our story. Yeah. And... Um, We've got a wonderful group of collaborators yeah. working with us, just some of the best people. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone is passionate about what they do, mm-hmm. so that makes it great and special. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, it's, and the process has been fabulous. And we've drawn all these wonderful Broadway designers to come down to this little, well, 170-seat 177 seat playhouse right. to design the lights and to do the sets and to do right. the costumes. Basically, the to realize Tommy's vision. Yeah. Because they, you know, when we lost him in June, everybody just came mm-hmm. to us and, and came, you know, got behind us and said, mm-hmm. We're going to do this. We're going to get this done. We're going to realize the mm-hmm. thing. We're going to get it on. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a big outpouring of love towards the memory of this great director, Tommy Walsh. And his, his best friend, Byork Lee, is the person who's met the helm. Spearheading it. Yeah, and she's just a dynamo. I mean, besides choreographing. I don't think she ever sleeps. No, she's she's either at the revival of Chorus Line, where she's the choreographer and right. keeping that doing show. Doing rehearsals, doing mm-hmm. warm-ups with him. I mean, she, she tends that show just like a garden. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then in her and spare the time, of the time, she's with us. She's down with us in Soho. So it's been a really wonderful experience. and. We're looking forward to the run and, and putting in front of people again and, uh, yeah. and seeing what happens. Yeah. So, well, I'm really actually excited that you're actually going to perform a couple numbers here from the show live in the studio. Yes, we are. So this uh, maybe we should get to one of the performances. Uh, this first one you're going to play. Do you need to set this up at all? Well, it's the opening song, mm-hmm. and um, it, it pretty much expresses itself when you hear it. But it's 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 the first number of Greetings from Yorkville. Yeah. And, uh, and on, on you discovered. And a little spotlight, uh, stage left, writing a letter to me. Uh, and right. uh, that's the beginning of the show. About the apartment that I found. Mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> let's hear it. Dear Robert, it's a five room, fifth floor walk up, 540 a month. Fantastic. I found a place, a perfect place to share. I searched the town both up and down, and finally I'm there. A place to rest my feet Greetings from Yorkville It's the Upper East Side The rooms are small but tall and full of light The ancient floors and all the doors are leaning to the right It's on a quiet street Greetings from Yorkville From our fifth floor window see a Russian church. What a shame we never go to church. Cause it's so cute. I found a place, a perfect little gem. 
The stairs are steep, the rent is cheap, we'll live la vida bohème. I signed the lease today. Greetings from Yorkville, Yorkville, USA. I know we said that you were going to check out L.A. while I checked out New York, but things move pretty fast around here. And if you don't jump, someone else will. So I jumped. She jumped? Oh, did I mention the 14 layers of linoleum that have to be removed? Linoleum? And the guy wanted $2,000 key money. Key money? Was that okay? I miss you so much. It's going to be great to live a life where it's hard to even catch a breeze a simple life without houses children grass or trees a happy life doing all the things we need to do a writer's life living all the dreams i've dreamed with you we'll find a way to live within our means we'll stroll along the river and see all the way to All right, so how long ago was it that you moved to New York? Oh, to New York. <laughs> did you guys move here together? Were you, have you, or did you meet we, here? Or? No, we didn't meet here. We met in the Midwest. We met. We, we were doing some shows in the Midwest. And, I mean, and the truth of the story is that, that uh, I went out to, to New York and she went out to L.A., Anyway, it's a long, tangled, personal, you know. Yeah, uh, well, that's, that's a saga. But anyway, yeah. eventually we wound up yeah. in New York. Together. And as as the show tells, yeah. I find an apartment. He's out in L.A. looking for something. We, do, we don't know which coast. But yeah. What are we going to do here? Right. So he said, well, why don't you check out New York and I'll check out L.A. And then, you know, we'll, we'll compare notes and we'll see what we want to do. Well, of course, I start looking for an apartment in New York, and you know what that's like. You go in and you see it, and if you don't say, I'll take it, <laughs> the person right by, you know, is right behind you, literally. At the my door. partner does real estate. Now. Okay. Oh, my okay. God. Well, you know. partner or something on the show here. So. Okay. He, okay. He's good with people, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's what happened, and, I, and I, I signed the lease. Yeah. So then I had to figure out how to get him here. So yeah. that's um, so that, that's that's the beginning of the show. Wrote him a letter <laughs> and said, "I've already signed the lease. I hope right. you're coming." And then and then and then the, the show tells a story of how okay, so we get together in this apartment and uh, we start uh, you know having a personal relationship, and then we say, "Hey, well, why don't we start try try to write songs together?" And right. uh, so and then we're also the show tells a story about well, how the hell do you make a living? You know, yeah. Um, I'm playing auditions, dance classes as a pianist, and, and I'm work, working temp jobs. Oh, you know, you know. So we're having to write right. at you know the wee hours of the morning or whenever. Yeah, getting up at five and, and writing just songs, trying to figure out what kind of songs to write, or maybe we should write special material for other performers. Right. Or, you know, what what do we do? So that's how what, do we get our stuff out there? That, that's so that's what we try. <clears throat> so that we started writing. Uh, sending stuff to different people, like we talked about Karen Akers and Donna right. McKechnie and different people who heard our stuff and said, okay, I'll do it in my cabaret act. Right. So, or even s- comedy groups, you know, that yeah. need like an opening number, like, yeah. you know, five girls in a comedy group or we whatever, and they need something we for, did their, stuff for, the- <laughs> for their act down in the village, whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, so we'd come up with stuff like that, and uh, we've, we we did that for about as long as we could hack it. Yeah. And <laughs> 
<laughs> and got paid very well. Oh, oh. oh mega bucks, oh. mega bucks, handsomely. <laughs> hey, handsome. Yeah. yeah. So then we decided, you know, this is a lot of work, yeah. and. We should be writing what we want to write, the yeah. songs we want to write. Personal Which stuff. usually ends up being more personal yeah. kind of things. And never mind if it's, if it's going to sell or what's going to happen to it. Yeah. You, got, you, know, you have to express the things you want to express. Because right. you're going to make the same amount. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. why not please yourself? You know, that, that's right. We finally figured that out. And uh, so that's so, what we started doing. So, we, so, then we, we had, so then we started writing the material for ourselves. And we, um, we find, found a guy uh, uh, who has a original cast records, and he released two of our CDs called Onion Robert, Ordinary People, and Onion Robert, You Loved Me. Right. So we had our CDs out there, and, you know, they're being distributed, you know, kind of. And kind was, of. And we're selling a few <laughs> copies of those, actually, for money. And, um, and we're performing our original songs in cabaret. Right. Well, as you know, cabaret is kind of famous for people doing standards, right? So we're doing comp- evenings of completely original material. Right. And, you know, critically doing really well, but right. the public is a little confused All about three it. people enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly. all three people enjoyed you know, it. They loved it. And we got <laughs> wonderful reviews. We got great reviews. From the Times and stuff. stuff like and, that. And, you know, and you get two, two reservations from, from this. So, yeah. So then we said, well, okay, well, okay, so what's, where else can we focus this is our, getting us our energy? So then we started writing uh, musicals. He said, you know what we have, to, we have to do? We have to write a musical. Yeah. That's going to be the place where we put our stuff. That's where it this belongs. This just occurs to this you? Is it, huh? Well, I mean, we're in New York, too, you know. Well, you but know. But it has to do with what kind of songs you're going to write. And in a what, musical. What, yeah. Oh, my God. You know, what, what, what door are you going to try to go through? And so we said, okay, we'll write a musical. But that's when Tommy stepped in and said, okay, you're going to write a musical. I'm telling you, don't make it any more than seven characters. You'll never get it produced. Right. You can't write some great big honky musical. So we said, okay, seven characters, seven characters. Right. So, so then we actually started to write a, a modern version of, mm-hmm. uh, we said, hey, What's commercial? We went, right. Shakespeare. 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 <laughs> but anyway. Because we we've just got a nose for this. You know well, what I mean? So, so. I, I have to interrupt here and say, I, I swear, some turn out to be good, but the instant I see something is based on a Shakespeare I know, play, I know. my only thought is they didn't have enough creativity to look for other public domain works. Well, actually, but I He I, just I seems I, like the go-to in public domain. It's, 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 it I is know. public domain. But, 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 what, but in our case. We kind of identified with this one. We identified with the people. It was Beatrice and Benedict. And we said, well, that's us. Yeah. You know, so this is going to work for us. We're going to, you know, yeah. what we're thinking in our, you know, our mouths and our words, and, our, and our, we'll, we'll just go right into this. So right. we wrote our seven-character musical. Yeah. And, yeah, and, we, and, we, and we got an option for Off-Broadway, yeah. and we did a couple of readings, and we got some interest. And we were negotiating the, um, the Off-Broadway contract with the producer, and 9-11 happened. And that was that fall. And the bottom fell out. So yeah. the money just went away, and this producer kind of folded his Had to back and, off, and um, they weren't going to even do a season at all. They weren't going to do anything. And yeah. So then we were, you know, sort of in, you know, there were those years right after 9-11 where it was pretty quiet for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, about mm-hmm. four years there where we just had to just, we just work. Kept, we just kept, you know, working different jobs, working and, jobs and kept writing. And, and writing. And actually, this this is this show, this greetings from Yorkville. That's where that came out of this whole mm-hmm. whole experience. And uh, so when we when yeah. we kind of revived after that, we said two character musical. Yeah, it's that's seven, what we're gonna do. Seven Seven's is too, too many. many. Okay, we'll do two. <laughs> two character musical. Tommy said, "Yeah, two character musical. You, him, and her. Right. You know, and pointed at us, and that's what it's gonna be." And we said, "Okay." He said, "You've got all the songs. Come on. All you need to do is write a book." So. 
I said, and, okay. Yeah, and, and the opening number and that and number. And some other, you know, yeah. a few numbers just to string it all right. together. But as it turned out, it was a good idea. And the three yeah. of us just worked on it. We would we would write and write and do rewrites. And then he'd come up to our fifth floor walk up and we'd sing some stuff for him and do some book scenes for him. He'd say, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we need something here. We need So we got the structure all laid out. And that's when we started you know, taking it out to some of these summer festivals, and then when we brought it into town at the 78th Street Theater Lab, that was that was very good because it was a two act by then, mm-hmm. and then we just had the year of or a year and a half, I guess, of raising the money, and mm-hmm. then we were there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, why don't we uh, get to the second number you're going to perform okay. for well, us? Does cool. this need any setup here? Well, it's, it's it's the closing number actually yeah. in the show. It's the the, the show um, is is much like the story we just told you. And eventually, at one towards the end of the show, we well actually we've we've separated because the business is just so nasty. It takes its toll. She had to go out of town and took a job with you know singing with a band, and I stayed in New York, and we kind of started to drift apart. And eventually, I go out to Peoria where she's working, <laughs> and try to convince her to come back. And the last sequence of the show is uh, the process yeah. of discovering again together why it is we wanted to do this in the first place, right. this songwriting thing, this right. whole idea. And uh, eventually she comes back to New York, and uh, I'm playing the piano, and she surprises me, sneaks in and puts her hands on my shoulders, and we decide to go on yeah, and write the show that you've been that watching. That you've now just seen. So that's, that's what it is. And so this, we start, yeah. it's a full circle, and we start back at the beginning, and then the ending is just, just the statement that, uh, you know, regardless of the struggle, no matter how hard it is, life is good. All right, you ready? Yeah. We're ready. Life, life is good. Life is good and getting better all the time. Time, time is good. Time is nature's way of organizing life. life, which is good. Time to work and time to play. Night, day, life is good. If you lose your way, try again. When I is good. How I hope it's here to stay. Oh, life. Life is good. Change. Change is good. Change is nature's way of rearranging life all the time. Good or bad, it gives us hope of finding Best of all, so I've been told Young, old, life is good I'll be true to love Love takes time I'm not through with love Stay with me a little longer Joy, joy is good Joy is all I'm dreaming of. Love, life, life is good. Oh, 
So we also did a very special taping of that in addition for YouTube. Oh, so Yay. we're going to put that up on the front page of Broadway Bullet if you want to see oh, Robert and Anya performing this here in the studio. It's right there at broadwaybullet.com. That is. So uh, Greens from Yorkville is at the Soho Playhouse. Yes. It's for an open run. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I always tell people, get tickets now. Get them now. Oh, yeah. open, run, open run means it could be open three days or open two years. And That's right. You guys deserve to be open for a while, so everybody get out and get That's tickets right. and get Come down, on down. Come and they on. And people can visit greetingsfromyorkville.com to right. get information about the tickets and the show and, and, the show and, and listen and to more music and see other videos and all kinds of information. Yeah. 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 So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll be down there. <laughs> well, I thank you so much for sharing all your stories, Robert and Anya. Thank you, You're fascinating, and I, I imagine they'll offer some inspiration to other people as well. Hope yeah. so. They can get their stuff done. And yeah. best of luck with greetings from Yorkville. Thank Thanks. you. Great to be here. The Call Board. Well, what began as a six-month construction plan that has now turned into a 17-month ordeal, the new TKTS booth in Times Square has now announced an official opening date. TKTS will return to Duffy Square, leaving its semi-permanent home at the Marriott Hotel in the spring of 2008. I love how spring of 2008 is an official opening date. <laughs> I'd like to see something more specific. But we're looking forward to it. It should be nice. And Frankenstein the Musical, adaptation of Mary Shelley's novel of the same name, will begin previews at 37 Arts on October 10th, with a November 1st opening. The more serious counterpart to Young Frankenstein will star Tony nominee Hunter Foster as the villainously misunderstood Victor Frankenstein and star of the nymph show The Piper, Christiane Knoll. I wonder if they're uh, hoping that... uh some people might think they're actually seeing Frankenstein and wonder how they got tickets for less than $450. New World Stages hosts comedian and talk show host Rosie O'Donnell and her new gallery exhibit, Solace. O'Donnell's artwork will be featured on the second floor gallery at the New World Stages through December 12th. The gallery at New World Stages will be open from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. daily. Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS is daring theater fans to bid on their Broadway scares eBay site. (laughs) Gotta love all the puns they come up with. For goodies from such terrifying shows as Die, Mommy, Die, Sweeney Todd, Wicked, Frankenstein, The Rocky Horror Show, and Sideshow, to name a few. Unique gifts from the shows and event tickets to Madame Tussauds are up for grabs. Visit www.broadwaycares.org slash events slash online auctions dot CFM for more details. And heads up to Broadway Cares for giving us that easy-to-give URL. Brian Stokes Mitchell will be performing at Carnegie Hall on Monday, October 15th. This will mark Mitchell's first performance at the famed Carnegie Hall as a promotion for his new solo album, available in stores now. For more information and tickets, visit www.ticketmaster.com. Well, that's it for the call board. We have a quick promotional word for our sponsor this week. And if you're interested in advertising on the call board, just Email info at broadwaybullet.com or give me a buzz at 646-345-3433. One Hit Wonder is a musical about a man on the cusp of middle age who meets up with a band of misfits and tries one last time to make it in the music biz. Gil is at a crossroads in his life. His wife wants security, but he can't seem to let go of his dream of becoming a musician. Tom, his mailman friend, and a clueless cellmate of Tom's, joins Gil's quest for musical greatness. So... Does the band become famous? Well, that's up to you. If you are interested in bringing One Hit Wonder to the stage, 
contact Gil O'Brien at RoboGill, that's R-O-B-O-G-I-L, at Yahoo.com, or call him at 347-409-9243 to talk about a financing partnership that will make One Hit Wonder a reality. The call board is also sponsored by me. If you're looking for any recording services or you know of someone who is and looking for a reasonable price, great quality, and a great location, I got a studio right here in Times Square. Uh, vocals, not just musical theater, I also do R&B, pop, and rock. Uh, give me a buzz at 646-345-3433 or email me at info at broadwaybullet.com to discuss your project. Close. Rachel York has been one of our most versatile performers in the Broadway scene for the past several years, appearing in such shows as Les Mis, City of Angels, Victor Victoria. Uh, well, she did the cast recording of Summer 42 and a whole lot more. I know I'm missing many things off her resume, but that's why we have her here in the studio to chat. How are you doing? I'm good. Michael, I just want to listen to your voice this whole time. Can you just talk the whole time? Because you have a lovely speaking voice. Well, thank you I'm very much. I'm enjoying it very much. But uh, I think I think our listeners are here to hear about you. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> listeners. I'm Rachel York. Very nice to talk to you. So, well, why don't we get right out of the way, the first thing. You've got a big gig coming up at Feinstein's, for those of our listeners who are checking this out right away. The 14th and 15th of October. That's Sunday and Monday of this coming weekend. And uh, my cabaret is called For the Love of It. So these are songs from my heart done for the love of it. It's not for the money. It's just to Was go. Was the surgery painful? <laughs> <laughs> it's to go and have a good time. And I, I, I guarantee that everybody in the audience will have a good time, too. So. Well, you've got quite an impressive resume under your belt and a lot of drama desk nominations and awards. And, and you know, one of my favorite shows ever, I mean, the number of times I've listened to City of Angels, I uh, had to buy a new CD because uh, somewhere it got scratched. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. I, I wish I could play Lost and Found on it, but I try to stay away from, from the dead composers. And unfortunately, <laughs> Cy Coleman is no yes. longer with us. Yes, but you will be able to hear it at the cabaret. Oh, you're singing Lost and Found? I am. Well, you know, it was my, my debut performance on Broadway, singing naked in a sheet. So it's... Uh, I made history. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I'd like to chat with you about that I'm sure some people are interested in is um, a lot of people have a problem making the jump from being a replacement to being an originator in the roles. And I'm wondering if there was... Do you, know, <laughs> you look confused. Well, I actually, I have the opposite thing. I went from being an originator and then I replaced a couple of times. But uh, but wasn't Lame is your first... No. Oh, okay. No, City of Angels was my first. So, okay, IBDB is so messed up. I don't even know why I bother looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. They yeah. have that listed first. Yeah, the then I would have been like uh, 12 when I played Fontaine. But, um, <laughs> 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 I'll do that again. <laughs> you have to keep that on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I, uh, I, I did City of Angels. It was my my debut. I was a I was a youngster, very green and and bushy tailed, and <laughs> um, the mixing of two metaphors. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so and then I did uh, then I did Fontaine, which was a role that I'd always wanted to play, and uh, I was replacing. But you know, I kind of feel like when 
When a when a role comes my way, uh, you know, it's it's for me, it's it's a new experience. It's a new role because I'm expressing my life experience and and my feelings. So uh, it's my journey. It's a new journey. How was it in your very first Broadway show to be working with Cy Coleman? <gasps> Pretty amazing. <laughs> Pretty amazing. And uh, I was. I was hired to do the show. I had one audition, and the, you know my agent had been trying to get me in there. I, I was I was a nobody. Nobody knew who I was, but he really pushed to get me in because they couldn't find anybody. They were looking for a Marilyn Monroe type. So <clears throat> about a week before I got the audition, and I said, "Okay, they want Marilyn Monroe. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give it to them." I'm, so I. I went out and I got every Marilyn Monroe movie I could find and I studied the way she walked and the way she talked and the way she sang and I went in there and I I did my thing and I sang Blue Lou which is an Ella Fitzgerald song it's a it's a scat song and I, they seemed to really like me and I got a really good feeling and when I was in the elevator I I was in the elevator with uh, Larry Gelbart on the way out and he looked at me and he said, you're going to be a big star, you know that? I said, well, I hope so. <laughs> and uh, then I immediately went downstairs to a pay phone because we didn't have cell phones back in the dinosaur age. <laughs> and I called my agent and I said, I think I got it. I think I got it. But I hadn't heard uh, any of the music yet. This was a brand new musical. And so it was the first day of rehearsal when we had the table reading that I heard my song for the first time and boy was that fun because it was it's a great song lost and found and yeah. I was the first to sing it what ha why hasn't David Zippel done another show do you know I gotta he has you know has he, he has done uh, he has done a, a few other shows really? I, okay. I, I unfortunately at the the, the moment I cannot uh, pick them out but he's done a lot of, I think he does a lot of Disney uh, he works on a lot of Disney uh, musicals and animated shows and stuff like that so because that was an amazing he was, that was his debut on Broadway as a Compo as oh, a yeah. lyricist as well. And oh, yeah, he continues. He, he does very, very well, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he, he probably does a lot more than you, than you would expect, and I'm, I'm sorry that I don't, uh, you know, have his resume in front of me to, to tell you all of the, the, the major things on his resume. I didn't expect you to have his resume. <laughs> I, I, I didn't come prepared, damn it. That's all right. uh, <laughs> And I know just recently you wrapped up, you were touring with Camelot? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was. I was doing Camelot with uh, opposite Michael York. That must have been fun. Uh, how many critics and how many different newspapers mistakenly thought you were married? Uh, or his daughter, <laughs> which was very strange. Uh, no. Luckily, all the newspapers said they they would print in parentheses of you know of no relation. I was very <laughs> grateful for that. But the funny thing was that after the show, I. Um, a lot of people would would say, um, "Is uh, what do they say? Is is Michael's daughter coming out, or is Rachel's father coming out?" <laughs> and that was weird because then I had to say, "No, that would be really strange for me to be kissing my father up there." I'm sorry that that crosses a boundary that none of us can really make. <laughs> so, um, uh, 
and yes, a lot of times I got that we were we were husband and wife, which is fine. I can deal with that. Um, I, I know his wife; she's a lovely lady. But uh, it was it was a joy working with him. He's he's a very a very dear dear sweet man um, with virtually no ego. So that's nice. It's nice to be able to work with that. On how long were you on the road with that? Uh, about seven months. So, uh, and it was a lovely, lovely warm cast. We all got along splendidly. So if you've got to be stuck with with uh, people for seven months, that's the group to be stuck with. <laughs> Made some good friends. Now, how often have you done touring shows on the road? I've just done one other uh, than uh, Camelot, and that's Kiss Me Kate. I did the national tour of Kiss Me Kate. Yeah, with, you have quite a history with, with Kiss Me Kate, don't you? With Rex Smith. <laughs> now, I did it with Rex Smith, and then I went to London to do it with Brent Barrett. So that's that's the uh, the London production is what's on uh, DVD. And I understand that you have some interesting instance of Kiss Me Kate where you kind of got unexpectedly thrown into the role. Right. Well, that's not the uh, not the Broadway production, but uh, when I was is it close? When I was <laughs> no, not at all. It was uh, when I was seventeen. I was in high school and I auditioned for my very very first professional produ- production um, and that was at a dinner theater in Southern California called Sebastian's West at the time now it's not called that anymore and I was in the chorus of Kiss Me Kate it was a big deal because it was like my first audition you know it's scary to audition you know how that is and uh, but I was very happy that I got in the in the chorus and the 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 woman who played Kate who was probably a 40 year old woman um, got very, very ill. She got a terrible infection or cold or something and just could not sing the role at all for like a week or so. And we didn't have any understudies because I think there were only a few weeks of, of uh, performance. Do high school shows ever have understudies? No, no, no. It wasn't a high school oh, wait, show. Uh, I was, was in high school. You were in high school? Okay. I was in high school at the time, but I, it was my first professional uh, production. All oh, right. It was okay. the first time I'd ever gotten paid for, you know, singing. You know, so, um, so yes, I was hired for the. I got in for the chorus, and uh, and so there was nobody else to sing the lead role because she was out for a while, and actually for a couple of performances, the uh, <laughs> the uh, director. Um, was 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 reading the role on stage, which was really tacky, and nobody liked that. <laughs> and, and and she really was not right for the role of Kate. So uh, I guess everybody convinced her. I was the only one who could sing the role, and uh, they convinced her to have me play Kate. But you know, understand, I was 17 years old, and they didn't make any new costumes for me. So I was this little scrawny little kid in these costumes. They were just hanging on me. And I was so scared before the performance. I remember, you know, throwing up and so just so afraid because I learned the role in one day, uh, all the entire role and all of the blocking and everything. And I was petrified. Uh, but I amazingly got through it, and I, I did about two or three performances, I think. And of course, Fred was like fifty, <laughs> so it was quite an age difference. <laughs> Even more than Michael York. Anyway. Well, I think it's time to let some of our listeners hear you sing if they happen to be unfamiliar with your fantastic voice. Okay. And uh, first thing I'd like to play, we're, we're going to play something from your, your own CD in a little bit, but um, this first song is 
from a, a friend of Broadway Bullets who's been on a couple times, David Kirschenbaum, wrote the music and lyrics for this, and you did the cast. And Hunter Foster. Yeah, Hunter. Oh, did he do lyrics too? I thought he did the I think, book. I, th- did he, I think he did the lyrics. I think he did the book. Oh, we just did the book? Oh, yeah. dear. What do I know? But I'm not going to commit. To, I'm not going to put a bet on that. Well, yet. they do, both did the entire <laughs> yeah. the entire show, so... And um, you, there was one song that you said was a, a favorite of yours from that cast album recording. or it, it Promise was a, of the Morning. Promise of the Morning. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to say about this song before we play it? Uh, well, if you don't know uh, the story uh, very well, um, the character Dorothy that I played, uh, her, her, her new husband, uh, goes off to war. And she's, you know, praying every night that he's going to come home safely. And... It's uh, it's early one morning. She's she's feeling very hopeful that she's going to see him soon, and it's it's about it's about her hope and in, in seeing her husband again. All right, well let's take a listen. Whenever you've been feeling the clouds will follow you forever. Whenever you've been thinking that life is mostly sad and strange. Then all at once the skies are clearing You watch the heavens rearrange With just the promise of the morning Things can change Whatever dream you're dreaming You've learned there's no such thing as never you're facing, they're really only in your mind, and all your other mornings are safely left behind, at last your eyes are open, you'll see that you were blind, things aren't always easy, with the promise of the morning, who knows what Are you going to be home tonight? Should be. Maybe I'll stop by, if I'm in the neighborhood. Well, the post office opens soon. I want to mail this off right away. I could do it. No. Thanks. But I'd better. I'm sorry. What about Hermie? You had to be alone this summer. Hermie? Feel free to drop by tonight. Great. I'm not saying I will. So, so don't count on it. All right.
I had a cat named Dorothy. Got hit by a truck. The sunrise lights the ocean And I could look at it forever The seagulls fly above me The waves wash up across the sand The world is filled with so much wonder More than I'll ever understand I hold the promise of the morning I've left our bedroom door ajar But you will share my mornings No matter where you are As certain as the sunrise As sure as every star I don't know when I'll see but with the promise of the morning, it can't be that far. So you do some recording of your. You know, you Are put out a solo on? album. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're back on. <laughs> I'm sorry, could you repeat the question? <laughs> You've been doing some recording and you have your own solo album out as well, correct? I do indeed. And it's, uh, it's actually a Valentine's Day album called Let's Fall in Love. And I, I will be selling it on my website at rachelyork.net, uh, but you can also get it at Barnes & Noble. And uh, sometimes a colony, <laughs> and it's uh, it's a bunch of uh, standards love songs, some of my favorites. It's also like, on iTunes, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. Like so. uh, my funny Valentine and I uh, love how you love me. Let's fall in love. So, what was your what was your inspiration? How did you go about picking the songs for the CD? Well. You know, this, interestingly enough, my mom was a big influence on me, and this was the kind of music that she listened to in 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s music. And uh, Ella Fitzgerald was a big inspiration to me growing up. In fact, the first time I heard Ella sing, I thought it was my mom singing. I thought, hey, when did my mom make an album? But I was a little kid. I didn't know anything. But um, I, I, uh, I, I fell in love with her voice, and I fell in love with with that kind of music, with standards, and uh, wanted to put some of my favorites down on, on CD and, uh, and share maybe even some songs that some people didn't even know about uh, on my album. So I these are, these are my favorites, and, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's, a good, it's a good mood. It gets you in the mood for some loving. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's a good... If you have a nice, if you're having a date, 
it's a nice song to have, a nice uh, album to have in the background, you know. So it's a Valentine's Day album. Makes a good gift for moms and girlfriends, things like that. <laughs> and don't forget the boyfriends, too. I'm sure. Boyfriends? I'm sure a mm-hmm. lot of boyfriends will like, you know, it's, if you like this music particularly, it's, uh, you know, it's it's all the, one of some of the best songs from that from the, that era. And uh, one of them isn't from that era. We're going to play one from it that... Well, it's is. one of them. <laughs> it's not from that era, but sounds like it's from that era. Called Too Good to Be True by Tor Haim. And he also was the producer on my album. And uh, it's quite a nice uh, jazz song there. I like it very much. Okay, well, let's take a listen to it. I'm walking along light as a feather. I can't believe that we're together. It's just too good to be true. All these years I've been waiting for you. I can't imagine my life without you. It's way too good to be true. Who could have foreseen my surprise when I looked into then their eyes? Not her, not him, and not I. Did you expect a romance to ensue? And who'd have thought I would lose those blues? It's just too good to be true. But of course there are fears. How can love be so sure? I wouldn't know I've never felt this kind of love before. Plain and simple, it's too good to be true. So let's go with us and we'll watch how the sun moves A damn good bet so sure that we won't lose It's crazy, too good to be true Who could have foreseen my surprise When I looked into them, their eyes Not her, not him, and not I Did you expect a romance to ensue And who'd have thought I would lose those blues It's just too good to be true How can love be so sure? I wouldn't know I've never felt this kind of love before Plain and simple, it's too good to be true So let's go with us and we'll watch how the sun moves A damn good bet so sure that we won't lose It's crazy, we're too good to be true Who could have foreseen my surprise When I looked into them, their eyes Not her, not him, and not I Did you expect a romance? It's just too good to be true. It's way too good to be true. It's just too good to be true. Too good to be true. So for... Back to the impending date at Feinstein's. I've been, I've been meaning to ask you know somebody for a long time that these concert events, mm-hmm. you know that, I mean, how, this is just a couple nights as you as you mentioned. 
how much work goes into organizing everybody to to come together for these things? Well, first of all, you have to write a a, a show. <laughs> <laughs> you have to write a show. You have to pick the songs. You have to try it out here and there to see if it works and cut it and all that kind of thing. And uh, luckily, uh, my my manager slash boyfriend, Ayal <laughs> Miodovnik, uh, as well as Jan Narji, my publicist, um, have uh, worked to write the show and put it on its feet and... Um, basically get the dates for Feinstein's, you know, all of that. So they actually did all of that work. They really they really produced it. Um, and I, of course, put my input in because I'm singing the songs and I'm expressing my life and and uh, so it, it has to has to be right for me. But uh, I I couldn't have done it without them, that's for sure. So what what are you expecting to happen, anything out of the ordinary? <laughs> what am I are, you do, are you doing? Are you doing I have anything? No slightly? idea. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Uh, well, we 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 tried it out in Los Angeles, uh, and it went over like gangbusters, as my mom would say. Uh, it, it it went really well. Uh, people seemed to really enjoy themselves, and I love the selection of songs that I've chosen because. Uh, they're the songs I would want to hear if I went to a cabaret. It's a, it's a nice. It's, they're very versatile. There's some blues. There's some jazz. There's some standards. There's some musical theater. Um, no opera, but I don't know if that would work so well at Feinstein's anyway. But maybe next time. But uh, but yes, it's a nice uh, variety of, of a lot of different things. And uh, so just when you think. You heard it all. <laughs> I switch it up. <laughs> and I understand you brought in a treat for some of our listeners. You have a, a few CDs that you signed that you're going to give away. Is that yes, yes. How many? How many we're going to give away? How about two? Okay. Does that sound good? Sure. All right. So, uh, so listeners, we're going to be sending out an email <laughs> telling you how to get that. So sign up for a mailing list at BroadwayBullet.com to so get an autographed copy of Rachel's CD. And Yay. Ch check out her appearance at Feinstein's on October 14th and 15th. Is that right? You got that right. Okay. That's just off the cuff. I didn't have my notes <laughs> in front of me. It's a Sunday <laughs> and a Monday. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. I promise. I promise. It's it's That's what it's called, for the love of it. So we're all just going to have a good time that night. And then you're moving into a brand new house in L.A. and... Yes, sirree. Looking forward to that. Been living out of a suitcase for quite some time and uh, ready to to put some, get, get a little grounded. All right. Well, I think everybody's Rachel. hoping that will happen eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when that's happening. <laughs> Rachel York, I thank you so much for coming in and, and spending some time talking to our listeners and, and being so charming. Oh, and, I, well, I hope so. Thank you so much. And, and uh, it was a pleasure talking with you and listening to your, your lovely voice as well. Best of luck with your gig and everything else coming up. Thank you so much. Positive side. Hey, once again, this is Marty Cooper. On the positive side, I've gotten over New York City baseball. Uh, totally. The Mets almost ruined my vacation at Disney World. 
But that's another story. My wife said it's only a game, so uh, I put it in perspective. But in any case, uh, since I spoke last, I saw the new production of Grease. Really had a great time. Yet, at the end, when we got out the theater and I'm um, do as usual, wait outside the stage door for people, you know, and everything, I had a really nice time, but when it's all said and done, it's still Grease. And uh, you can't make that much of that show. I thought the new guys were great. I liked Laura a little better. I thought she was adorable. And she did Hopelessly Devoted to You great. Max is a little young and a little thin to be playing Danny Zuko. And it's a funny thing when they come out the stage door, they're children. I mean, they look like children. I don't know. Maybe I've gotten too old for this or whatever. Uh, but they look like kids. They look like starry-eyed kids. But all said and done, I had a good time. Uh, I loved my friend Steve Buntrock playing Teen Angel. He made the most of 10 minutes or 7 minutes, whatever. We saw him after the show and he says, I go on, I'm on for a few minutes, and I'm done. It's the greatest job on Broadway. It was much better, much, much better than the 94 production that, that the Weissless produced. To me, that was god-awful. Uh, so anything would be, would be better. I was walking here today and I was thinking of a topic I might talk about after Greece. I was thinking of flops that I've seen over the years that I've kind of liked. One came to mind especially because uh, the Stuart Colony just got in the CD of this show. One of the people I criticize a lot, uh, Michael Riedel, uh, I don't know if I'm misquoting him, he called it one of the better scores of the last number of years. It was Thou Shalt Not, scored by Harry Connick, directed by Susan Stroman with great style. Unfortunately, it was a kind of a depressing story about a murder in New Orleans back in the 40s, right after the war, about a love triangle. And it opened about a month after 9-11. And so I don't think audiences were taking too kindly to it at the time. But it had a lot of wonderful music, a lot of wonderful dance. One person stood out, Norbert Leo Butts. I thought he was great in the show. He was the one that got murdered. I had a good time, and the critics didn't. And so they, it closed within about, uh, I think, a couple of months. But if you want to listen to the CD, it's, uh, there's some wonderful music on it. I'm thinking of some of the other flops that I kind of like, that if I told you I liked, I'd lose all credibility altogether. I think Lestat was one of them. I found it a kind of enchanting story. It's based on The Vampire Diaries by Anne Rice. I kind of had a good time at the show. I thought Elton John wrote a pretty good score. Uh, what I find unbelievable is the uh, the day after the show closed, they went into a studio and recorded it and uh, never got released. I don't understand that. I don't think Elton John wanted it out there. I think he was just, I'm just reading into it. I think he was just totally disgusted with the project. But there were a couple, two or three really enchanting songs that, I think would have gone over and would have found their way into kind of a Broadway repertoire. In any case, I had a good time there. 
There's so many. Another one of my favorite subjects of uh, flops that I kind of like is The Dance of the Vampire, starring the uh, ever-present Michael Crawford, who I always find personally kind of a twit because he will not approach his fans. And people love this man. I had a good time. I thought the Jim Steinman music was great. Uh, I think it should have been promoted in a different way. I don't think it should have been promoted like Phantom of the Opera, because it wasn't that at all. It was kind of like Phantom of the Opera meets Urinetown, because at times it got downright stupid. But every once in a while, they broke out into this grand singing and these grand songs. You, Most of the songs in the show you've heard already, like Total Eclipse of the Heart, among others, most of these melodies you've heard, and uh, they just sounded so great on that stage by a group of wonderful singers. I promised I wouldn't mention Les Mis, but uh, one of the stars of the show is in Les Mis now, Max von Essen. He played the young fellow who dies and is made into a vampire. They just had fun with this show, and uh, I think people took it the wrong way. It was expensive, it looked expensive, and it kind of gave you what you wanted when you walked into the theater, but people that it was dumb and stupid and they chased it, they, they kicked it out of town. In any case, those are just a few. I have a big list and I might have to go on with this a little more. In any case, if you have any opinions on what I talked about, uh, you can email me personally at broadwaymarty at AOL.com. Once again, Stay on the positive side. On the positive side is brought to you by The Colony, online at colonymusic.com or in the heart of the theater district at 49th and Broadway. You can always say, I found it at The Colony. On the boards. Hot actors on the rise. Adam Green, Hallie Pfeiffer, or none of the above. Well, the play is called None of the Above, and it is indeed two hot actors on the rise. And Adam and Hallie are here with us. How are you doing? Good. How's it going? Good. Good. So now the show's opening off-Broadway on October 10th. It's called None of the Above, if, if everybody's unclear on that from the thing. And uh, why don't we start off with a little bit of what is None of the Above about? It is about... Um, uh, there's a, Okay, so it opens with... <laughs> I feel bad being like, well, it's about my character, and then she encounters you. <laughs> but and it's then a, my character takes over. Right, but then it's mostly about my character... True. Okay, so <laughs> there's a 17-year-old girl who um, lives on the Upper East Side, uh, very privileged, um, and has to take the SATs and really couldn't uh, give a shit about them. She's, you know, from a sort of uh, dysfunctional family in the sense that her parents are workaholics, never there, and her SAT tutor shows up and... And gets her interested in taking the SAT for a variety of reasons. Um, and Ooh. <laughs> the drama. Yes. There is a lot of mystery. It is sort conflict. Of, it's sort of a well-made play in the sense that what you see is not layers. what you get. Well, I wasn't finished with my sentence. <laughs> so we well, you see, well enough to do that. What? Nothing. Okay. So <laughs> what you see at the very beginning, um, it's, it plays with your expectations. So what you see at the very beginning, you're like, you peg the characters, you put them in cer certain categories, and not only do they defy your expectations, but the plot sort of throws in all these um, remarkably uh, believable kooky wrenches into the metaphorical gears. <laughs> 
and um, and it it just twists and become out of it gets really out of hand and becomes really wacky and zany, but still grounded in this reality and um, it's good. <laughs> so I understand that this play was funded by uh, George Bush's No Child Left Behind Act. Yeah, that's right. I only learned that two hours ago. <laughs> yes, we got all fifty dollars from that budget. <laughs> <laughs> well, fifty dollars is enough to keep some children from being left behind. No, the play really is well made. It's a nice theatrical onion. I Who's think the writer? Her name is Jenny Lynn Bader. And um, now this play did debut off off Broadway at the Ohio Theater a couple of years ago. Um, and this is the remounting of it, essentially, with um, a new cast and mostly new designers, but the director and obviously the playwright say the same. Um, and previews are starting September 25th, have started yeah. September 25th. <laughs> it's opening October 10th. <clears throat> so this play is a two-person show, right? Yeah. So it's, it's all on you. Yeah, it's really intense. It's not a good word, but it's, uh, you really can't zone out. It's true. What it, dem <laughs> it demands a lot in focus and concentration because we, there's never any downtime. And um, the scenes are, are a lot longer than a lot of other conventional plays. Uh, so then really have to be present for one another for about you know, 35 minutes at a time. We actually just did another show together, though, Election Day and Second Stage's Uptown series, so we uh, have known each other for many moons, <laughs> and, um, and we like each other and work well together, so that's good um, in the sense for a two-hander. It's true. We came into the play with a, uh, with a known dynamic and chemistry, which mm -hmm. we were able to play off of each other very well during rehearsal. Well, and you both got a little bit of buzz coming behind you in the thing. Adam, I know you were just in a... a pretty well-received playoff Broadway this past season uh, with the star Dennis Farina, is that right? Dennis Farina? <laughs> no, oh, not, another cop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Franz, no, uh, Daniel Chedravanti. Okay, that's right. <laughs> um, we did the last word over a theater at St. Clement's, which also was a two-hander, um, And but he wasn't a hot nerd girl. <laughs> oh, you stole it! I wanted to coin that. Stole it! Co-opted it! That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> for, for our listeners, Hallie is what I'm trying to define as hot nerd girl. Which she, which she asked, just because I'm wearing glasses? And I said, no. Uh, it's, she has a great vocabulary that Thanks. has not been revealed yet. <laughs> <laughs> Give them a vocabulary word. What did I say? Vocabulary. Temerarious. Oh, my gosh. What does a temerarious mean? Reckless or rash. Give, use it in a sentence. Ugh. <laughs> 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 I'm this not going to. This is on the SAT you're going to be taking. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, hot nerd girl is, a few of my friends have been using it. It's, it's just cool. girls that are cool that don't, you know, have to feel the need to put up makeup and the bras and dress up all pretty and, you know, play into the feminine stereotype. But I love that. Just are good to hang around with. Oh, and, good. But they're not, you know, they're not the ones you don't want to hang around with. Yeah, yeah. they're hot. <laughs> <So>. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. So, long-winded definition. Like Tina Fey. Yes, Tina Fey would be hot in her girl. I love Tina Fey. <laughs> I am Tina Fey. No, no I'm not. <laughs> anyway. So, and Hallie, you've got a few films under your belt, and mm -hmm. I understand as you as you say, you only do films with Laura Linney. I only do films with Laura Linney. Another hot nerd girl. Another hot nerd girl. Yes. Um, <laughs> I um I uh, I uh, was in a film called The Squid and the Whale. Um, I uh, played the girlfriend of the main character, played by Jesse Eisenberg, 
And um, I'm in a film that's coming out that's the next film by the same writer-director, Noah Baumbach, um, coming out in November, I think, called Margot at the Wedding with Nicole Kidman and Jennifer Jason Lee and Jack Black um, and, uh, and a couple others. Um, they're all really... I've been lucky enough to be cast in really interesting, good, good things. So now I'm going to try to stir up some controversy and oh, you know good. break up this chemistry that's going on. Adam, you went to graduate school. Damn right. She's done movies and is now on Variety's oh, no. top ten <laughs> list. <laughs> um, uh, Jewish Weekly said I was good looking. That, <laughs> they did. No. <laughs> My mom says I'm good looking. No, she doesn't. My mom says you're good looking too. Really? Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> So what's this uh, Variety's top ten stars to watch list? <laughs> uh, Variety, um, there's a top ten uh, stage well, stars. Well, actually said Broadway. Broadway. Right? Yeah. I know, we're tricking them. Uh, no, we're, we're not on Broadway, but um, I guess they saw me in uh, Suburbia, which I did off-Broadway. Uh, These people don't stage. actually ever see anything. They right, just, no, like, that's actually true. They heard. They like, heard yeah. I was cast in something, and then they decided to <laughs> do this. Um, uh, um, and it's, uh, it's uh, I don't know what else to say about it. There's just a little mention, a nice mention of our show, and a quote from Jenny Lynn Bader, and uh, I'm there with some really awesome people, so it's uh, very exciting and flattering. So what has the, the rehearsal process been like? Has it, you know, been pretty straightforward, or did the director make you do any weird things? Anybody, you know, having to play pineapples on stage? Oh, goodness. Yes, so much of that. <laughs> no. No. It's been pretty straightforward. It has been. Uh, it's been a quick rehearsal process. We, uh, we finish our last show and just jump right into this. Um, right. So the rehearsal process was just about three weeks, and but it was intense because it was just the two of us for you know six hours a day in a windowless room, making each other crazy, mm-hmm. crazy with love and desire. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> not really um, at all. A little. <laughs> um, it was pretty straightforward. Um, but then again, like doing a, a two-person play was different from any other rehearsal process I've had where often a big chunk of the rehearsal process is like lying on the couch in the green room and doing Sudoku. Um, and, uh, oh, you don't do that? I do that. So Here's your hot nerd girl. <laughs> no, I'm very bad at it. I, that's why it takes me so long and it fills up entire rehearsal days just trying one puzzle. But um, this, there was, you know, our only downtime was 10-minute um, segments um, in which we started writing a, a musical together half jokey, half real. Yeah, it's going to be a nymph next year. It's going to be a nymph next year. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want, to, I want to ask a little bit of maybe career advice for some of our listeners out there, because right now there's probably a lot of, you know, young actors out there wanting to strangle you for taking all the roles. <laughs> but you, you, guys, you guys are pretty <laughs> young, don't. but you've, you've been getting a lot of things. And, you know, and I'm kind of curious, how did this happen relatively fast for the two of you. I mean, was it just sheer luck or was there kind of a career plan, anything that you can impart to? Well, I wanted to be a professional actor when I was, like, uh, really young, and I knew that's what I wanted to do, which is, I just think, um, very lucky that I just figured that out. I went to this acting camp, Stage Door Manor, um, and just really loved it, and I was like, all right, great, this is what I want to do with my life. And I kept um, telling my parents that, and they kept saying they didn't want me to be a child actor. 
but eventually they helped me uh, get an agent um, when I was like around 12, I think. And uh, I've just been going on auditions and I didn't get anything for years and years and years and years, which was demoralizing. Um, uh, but then eventually you do start getting stuff and then it sort of snowballs, I think. Or um, And that's been nice. So I'm just happy to have work now. Did the agent actually help you? And how mm -hmm. were you able to get an agent without having like a track record under your belt? Yeah, that's what's unusual is that I, w I think it's a lot easier to get an agent when you're 12 years old. Um, <laughs> just because the, how could you have a track record? You're only 12, you know, really. So, um, uh, but also, I mean, I was turned down by a lot of agents. I ended up um, going with this really um, mom and pop, very sweet agency with a, um, and um, uh, and uh, now I'm with a, a, a bigger agency, um, but. Uh, I don't. <laughs> that's that's in that sense, I was lucky because I lived in New York and I knew what I wanted to do. I think everyone goes about getting an agent in a different way, though. I mean, you went to grad school. Yeah, I took a more circuitous path to uh, professional acting because after college, um, you know, I was in the city and hit a kind of quarter life malaise and said, you know what, if I really want to become a professional actor, I'm gonna have to get good professional training. So I went to grad school, and after that, um, things have kind of fallen into place for me, and I signed with an agency and just started getting cast as young men because I still have a youthful vim and vigor to me. How, how hard was it for you to get the meetings with the agencies and for you to get... Because you were kind of... the She got in really young when there wasn't a track record, and you kind of came in later, and it sounds like you didn't have a whole big track record either before you got an agent, or did you? Um, no, not a great big track record, but one of the very good things about the uh, program that I went to, uh, which was NYU, uh, MFA at NYU, um, was that you do a showcase at the end of your three years there, and sad to say, well, it's not completely true, but there's a kernel of truth to it that that three years kind of boils down to, you know, a small showcase at the very end of your tenure there. Um, and we did it, and it's, it's essentially a cattle call. A lot of industry professionals show up, and just about, well, or at least a lot of people get signed with agents right after those sh that showcase. All right, so all right, what's going on with, uh, <coughs> you got anything on the pipeline? How long is None of the Above set to run? You already got things lined up after? Or? Uh, none of the Above is set to run th uh, through Thanksgiving to November 25th. And Hallie does have something coming up after that. I'm going to be um, in uh, the Huntington Theatre Company's upcoming production of Wendy Wasserstein's Last Play, Third, uh, which is going to be in Boston. Um, I just She's going to write that. more. <laughs> Biggie does. Biggie still comes out with Biggie an album Biggie has been year. coming out with, an, with two albums every <laughs> year. He died ten years ago, and he's coming out with another one in November. <laughs> He's more prolific than... Somebody's <laughs> going to raid Wendy's attic and find, like, stuff yeah. she wrote when she On was... Well, right now, it's her last yeah. play. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's... I forget when it's opening, but that is uh, going to be in January and February at the uh, Boston University Theater. So I'm really excited about that. All right. Mm -hmm. And Adam? Um, I don't have anything coming up after the show. That is a couple of months away. Uh, so maybe my sitcom will get picked up. I'm just kidding. Um, but in the meantime, I do a uh, I do a political vlog, a video log, a video cast on YouTube and a couple of political websites, which is kind of fun and keeps me politically active and busy. Well, what's the address for that? Um, www.r8ny.com. It's called Lunchbox. You can also check it out on YouTube if you search for Lunchbox or Room 8.
It's right. really good. <laughs> hysterical. It's hysterical. So where do people go for tickets for None of the Above? We're just the actors. Ticket Central. <laughs> ticket Central. Ticket Central. Ticket Central. It's playing at Theater Row, so if you live near there, you can stop by the box office or you can call Ticket Central or really use the internet to find <laughs> tickets. All right. Well, Adam Green and uh, Hallie Pfeiffer, I thank you so much for coming in and chatting thank about you your so careers much. and Thanks none of the above. Best Thanks, of Michael. luck. Thanks. Top of the trades. Daniel Reichard will be leaving his two-year run with the Tony Award-winning musical Jersey Boys to turn his talents at Bernstein's candidate for New York City Opera. Reichard's press agent said that the singing actor will leave Jersey Boys following the January 6, 2008 performance. The New York City Opera production of Candide will open April 8th and run through the 20th. Since July 31st, the Local One Union for Stagehands and the League of American Producers have been without a contract. On October 9th, the producers come with their final offer for the Stagehands Union, who returned with their own final offer. There are no more talks scheduled with producers stating that Local One's final offer solved nothing in the negotiations. A lockout for all profit, Broadway theaters is still imminent. Dixie Carter and Mia Dillon head up the Houston Alley Theater's production of Arsenic and Old Lace, portraying the Brewster sisters in this production directed by Gregory Boyd. The show, following the murderous exploits of two spinster sisters, begins previews on October 5th, will open October 10th, and close November 4th. MTV will air their footage of Legally Blonde, the musical, Saturday, October 13th at 1 p.m. MTV Studios filmed the show early last month and will be airing this footage on Saturday, hosted by the girls from the hills, with added behind-the-scenes goodies. Beginning their New York previews this week are Young Frankenstein and The Glorious Ones by Flaherty and Aarons. Top of the Trades is brought to you by BroadwayWorld.com. For all your Broadway-related news and community, visit BroadwayWorld.com. Curtain Call. Broadway Bullet is looking for a business manager slash advertising and sponsorship rep. We got a lot of new stuff coming up, more content, video content, a shareable player that's going to offer a lot more possibilities, and we need to start getting some stuff going here. Uh, there is no salary, but we will be offering a generous commission, and you have the opportunity, definitely initially, to work on your own time. If you've got some experience in uh, sponsorships, advertising, or sales, and you got an interest in theater, this could be a great opportunity for you. Please send your resume to info at broadwaybullet.com with a cover letter if you are interested. I hope you are, because uh, nothing better would be to represent our show than a Broadway Bullet listener who already understands what we're all about. Well, next week we got some great stuff, and uh, it's still it's ninety nine percent certain that we've got a big, big, big guest coming on next week. A pair, actually, and uh, I'd love to announce it officially, but we're still waiting for the official time, and hopefully it will be in next week's episode. But be sure to stay tuned. Until then, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and thanks for hopping on board the Broadway Bullet. All well, I wouldn't want it to be too perfect every night. It is live at center it sounds very huge and elevated and that's what it feels like like once you're working there because rent is about much more than just friendship love and musical theater it was about something that shook musical theater people are becoming more and more comfortable with you know issue of people being different i mean we do it all I mean, you know we don't we don't back away from anything so, a little more about our brand new theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get 
a pretty good arts education just about anywhere. But most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc. to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution. Outstanding guest artists will conduct workshops, and outstanding students will even work on this podcast and travel to New York with me for interview weeks. And if that isn't enough, we've got an amazing program that will pay all or part of your student loan payments, even private loans, if you are earning less than $40,000 six months after graduation. That is an invaluable option that lets you pursue your passion in theater with less financial pressure. If interested, and I hope you are, Go to broadwaybullet.com. I'd love to help you launch your career.